okay? And, uh, but imagine if that's the only TV you ever watched. And you just, for, for years and years and years, and even as adults, that's just what you watch with Sesame Street. Kind of drive you crazy, wouldn't it? Okay, you're wondering, no, I am driven crazy because, you know, those who have kids are still watching that, you know, because for, for me, that's, that's what we did. You know, I watched it, then I stopped watching it, then we had kids, then we watched it again, then we stopped watching it, and I can't wait till we have grandkids, and then we'll watch it again, right? You know, okay, well, at any rate, okay, so you get, you get the point there, um, and the, the ABCs are essential, the basics of for our language, English language, but also the ABCs of Christianity are essential. The basics are important. Many people are ignorant of basic Christianity. Uh, Others are apathetic. A student who was asked, what is worse, ignorance or apathy, answered, I don't know and I don't care. Last week, we saw how self-induced spiritual immaturity is rampant in the church, and in part because the church moved to topical preaching and never moved beyond the ABCs of Christianity. Now, I want to say, I did not mean to say that all churches who teach topical are immature, okay? That is not true. There are some good churches that are discipling their people that teach topical sermons. What I was saying, though, is that many in that then also just stayed with the ABCs, and that expository preaching, that was where we go verse by verse through the Bible, is the one method that is endorsed by Scripture. Nehemiah 8, verse 8, also by Jesus' example, Luke Chapter 4, expository preaching. Read the word and then explain it and go through the books. That was the practice of early Judaism as well. Uh, In the synagogue, read the word, explain it. It was the practice of early Christianity as well. It wasn't until later that things began to change and in the Middle Ages they moved away from this and began to just give the homilies and so forth and that's when the theology uh, dramatically changed within Christianity. Um, I'm a, I've spent years in historical theology. That was my degree. So I can't help it to bring this kind of stuff up from time to time because I've studied the the last 2,000 years. I've seen these fads and waves and how uh, when you move in this direction, here's what happens. And so when we start doing that kind of thing again, I I go, no, I want to preserve and help us to not go in that direction. So at any rate, okay, um, what is fascinating, though, is many times... When they only focused on the ABCs, they actually ended up getting the ABCs wrong. And that is what you see throughout church history as well. We want to get the ABCs of Christianity right, and we want to move on to maturity. Look at our passage. Chapter 6, verse 1. 
Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Now, the context of this, if you remember, from last week in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, he rebukes the church because they were too lazy to understand, it says in verse 11, that they remained babies. And so he's rebuking them, saying, you need to move beyond the milk and get into the solid food. And so... uh, In that context, now he's saying in our passage, therefore, let's leave the elementary teaching and go on to maturity. Uh, So what is an elementary teaching? It's the the Greek word, this is pointing back to chapter 5, verse 12, which calls it basic principles. You see, the basic principles of God's revelation. That Greek word is stoicheia, okay? It basically means the ABCs of Christianity, okay? Uh, that which is basic to true Christianity. And then he lists in our passage six different things that are basic. They were basic to Judaism as well, but under the new covenant, uh, it brought, breathed in new life and meaning to each one of these. So what is an elementary teaching? What is basic Christianity? We're not going to actually look at these six this week. We're going to look at each one individually so we can really get this right, basic Christianity, but also so that we can then move on from this. So, what is an elementary teaching? First of all, an elementary teaching is not deep theology, okay? Uh, That's what we saw last week. Remember, he's saying the elementary teaching, that's the milk Deep theology, that's the solid food. Specifically in the context of this passage, it was the theology about Christ as our high priest. Okay, so he wanted to take them into that deep theology about Jesus as our high priest, but he said they weren't ready for it because they were still babies. So that's, so an elementary teaching is not deep theology. It's not the stake, okay? Uh, I love that analogy, the meat of the word, I think is what the King James says, a steak, you know, you want to move beyond from milk to steak. Now, I know that maybe some of you are vegetarians, so you're thinking, okay, so I'm sorry, that, well, maybe tofu chicken or, it just doesn't work. But anyway, I don't want to offend anybody there, okay, but, but so you get the idea, okay, we want to go beyond the milk to whatever, you know, you like. All right, or whatever you need. It's not what you, necessarily what you like, okay? Deep theology, as we saw last week, grows us up spiritually and is absolutely critical for us. We cannot stay babies according to uh, the passage last week. Uh, in fact, if you notice in our passage, it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ. We're supposed to move beyond. You don't want to just drink the milk. In F.F. Bruce's commentary, he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and press forward to maturity. Why therefore? 
probably because their particular condition of immaturity is such that only an appreciation of what is involved in Christ's high priesthood will cure it. Their minds required to be stretched, and this will stretch them as nothing else can. They have remained immature too long. Therefore, he will give them something calculated to take them out of their immaturity. And so he wants us to grow up, to move beyond, to let us leave that. And then secondly, he says, to go on to maturity. So let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Now, what's interesting about that, go on to maturity, it's actually the Greek verb is a passive verb, which means it's something you allow to happen to you, not something you do. The NIV is actually a better translation of this. It says, be taken forward to maturity. You see, you don't just by working hard and striving and gritting your teeth get more mature, okay? We put ourselves in a place where we allow God to help us grow up, okay? So that's what he's calling us to, to grow up in this way. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, says, the phrase, let us go on, should be translated, let us be carried forward. It is God who enables us to progress as we yield to him, receive his word, and act on it. A baby does not grow himself. He grows as he eats, sleeps, exercises, and permits his body to function. Nature, as ordained by God, carries the baby along day after day, and gradually he matures into an adult. It is normal for Christians to grow. It is abnormal for them to have arrested growth. And so he's encouraging us to grow. So the elementary teaching is not the deep theology, uh, but we want to grow to where we enjoy the deep theology, where we enjoy the stake. Now, you might be thinking, you know, I've been kind of a baby Christian all my life, and I'm getting kind of old. I really don't have any more time to grow, so I'm just going to have to stay with this. That is not true. Wherever you are, whatever happened in the past, you can begin right now by digging in and gradually growing to where you become someone who truly enjoys the stake, okay? I know a guy, he's a friend of mine. I see him probably a couple times a year. His name is Glenn down in Rochester, and he's in his 80s. But every time we get together and we talk about God's word, he's like... He's as giddy as a kid in a candy factory, you know I mean? It's just like he just eats it up, okay? That can happen for all of us, and that's what he's encouraging us to do here, okay? So the elementary teaching is not this deep theology. That's where we want to go, but the elementary teaching is still vital and important, as we'll see. Secondly, an elementary teaching is not added rituals, Okay, um, this, once again, the church history thing, okay? Historical theology, what ended up happening, the early church really was thriving and moving forward, but then in the Middle Ages, once again, they began to add stuff, 
rituals, rules, traditions to the basic Christianity that isn't in the Bible. And that led them astray from even the basics of Christianity. These el- so an elementary teaching is not the added rituals. It's not the deep theology, though that's good for us and we want to go there, but it's not the added rituals, and that's something bad, and we don't want to go there. Let me show you why. Let's look at some of these verses. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. He concludes his book with this, you know, with several statements, but one of them being verse 9 here, where it says, Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. Notice he's saying these added things, food regulations is what he specifically mentions here, is what he's calling a strange teaching. Food regulations. Within the church, later on, they began to add these things. And we can see this popping up in different groups and so forth, where uh, there was a, uh, one group said, you can't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. And then, and then they had all these other, actually it was you can't eat meat the whole time of Lent. Then they kind of backed it off and said only on Fridays so you can't eat meat. But there, there's that added thing, thinking that's going to mature people. Another group says you can't even eat meat at all. You know, Seventh-day Adventists, they're you know, complete vegetarians. They say you can't eat meat at all. Food regulations. But notice what our pastor says. Those are strange teachings, and they do not benefit the people. We don't want to go there. That's not what we're talking about. It's not what the scriptures teach. Look at 2 John chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, there's only one chapter in 2 John, so it's, but it just sounds funny saying 2 John 9. So, you know, we'll say 2 John chapter 1, verse 9. By the way, I, to- I told this this morning, it's the, the first service uh, uh, where I... You know, uh, our president, what was it, uh, before he became president, he was ridiculed because he was talking about Peter. I don't remember. He said, he said two Peters. You remember that? Anybody remember that? Two Peter instead of second Peter? Well, actually, he's right. It is two Peter, not second Peter. Uh, in England, that's what they say. They'll say two Peter and, you know, and those kinds of things because that's what it is. It's not the, you know, second. It's a two, right, in your book? Is that what it is? It's a two. Okay. So uh, turn to uh, 2 John, (laughs) verse 9. All right. It says, anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. So it has to be the teachings of Christ, what he taught and what he taught his disciples, the apostles who wrote what he taught them to teach, that is, in the Bible, okay? If we go beyond this, if we go beyond the Bible, he says, we're entering into dangerous territory. So that's, we're not talking about that, okay? Look at Mark chapter 7. I'd love to read the whole chapter, but we, uh, because Jesus really goes into detail on this uh, question, but we, we'll just look at a couple verses. 
chapter 7, verse 8, Jesus says, uh, speaking to the Pharisees, he says, abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. That doesn't sound like a good thing. He's not really in favor of tradition, is he, here in this passage? He goes on in verse 13, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. It actually hurts, not helps. Look at Colossians 2, 23 now. Uh, In Colossians, Paul uh, also gives a warning of these added things. In chapter 2, verse 23, he says, although these have a reputation of for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self indulgence. Now, what's he talking about? These things. What he said in verse 20, where he uses the elements of this world, uh, submit to regulations, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, these things. He says, these have a reputation of wisdom, these added things that aren't in the Bible, uh, promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body. This is asceticism. It's the idea that for some reason... God likes it when you're hurting. If you just squirm and go without and sleep on a floor or, you know, just do, you know, suffer like that in order, you know, somehow God is happy with that. That is not true. The Bible never tells us those kinds of things. He wants us to enjoy this life, though there is troubles and difficulties in this world. So he's not happy. And and once again, in the Middle Ages, one of the things that they were doing was they were actually whipping themselves and and causing pain to themselves, thinking that that somehow pleased God. That's the rituals, the traditions, the adding to Scripture that notice our passage, this passage in verse 23, it says, they are not of any value in curbing self indulgence. So those things are not good. That's not what he's talking about. Colossians 2.20 actually uses our word stoicheia. Remember stoicheia, the basic elements of Christianity, the ABCs? He uses it, but in a different sense here. Elements stoicheia of this world. So the ABCs of this world, which is different than the ABCs of God's word, okay? He's saying that's what they were embracing. Um, Stoicheia has a double meaning. It has the idea of basic components. That's that Greek word, basic components. It could be the basic components of the universe, like uh, for the world, uh, land, sky, water, you know, those are kind of the basic components. So sometimes in, in languages, it's used for that. It can be used as in our passage in Hebrews, the basic components of Christianity. So it has that idea, but it also can be used to refer to transcendent powers, demonic powers that rule the world, um, that are in control of the events of this world. Paul uses it that way in Galatians, in Ephesians, and in Colossians. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 2. You'll see what I'm saying, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 2, actually let's start in verse 1 to see the context. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins 
so before we came, became Christians, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. So the stoicheia, the spiritual, uh, the transcendent powers in control of the universe, the, this is the basic worldview of the lost. The basic worldview of the lost comes from the demonic realm, not from God. Uh, it can and often is religious. It's just not Christian. There is a huge difference between being religious and being Christian. Okay, There, as we've seen in these passages we've already read, there is much religion in those things. You see, sometimes the enemy can lead us to a licentious uh, lifestyle, you know, just sin all you want. But other times, he can lead us to these things that we've been talking about, food regulations, severe treatment of the body, those kinds of things. He doesn't care because both of those things are evil. And he's got us trapped in not understanding the basics of Christianity. Now, these stoicheia are not at all what the author of Hebrews is talking about. The demonic ABCs are what have led the world astray. The biblical ABCs are necessary for salvation. Uh, let me read from Alan's commentary. He says, back to the Hebrews 6, to leave connotes the idea of leaving something behind in order to pass on to something else. That which is left is the elementary teachings about Christ. The meaning here is not that of abandoning the basic teachings of Christianity, but rather the necessity of recognizing the foundational character of these teachings and thus the impropriety of going over the same ground. The foundational character of these things. You see, we've seen what it isn't already, right? An elementary teaching is not deep theology. It's certainly not added rituals. An elementary teaching is an essential part of the foundation of Christianity. That's why he says, therefore let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and so etc. So notice he's seeing these six things as the foundation of true Christianity. So these are the basics of true Christianity. So an elementary teaching is foundational to what real Christianity is. That word foundation, themelios, uh, is found in a few other places, places in Scripture to help us understand what he's talking about. So let's look up those, okay? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 uses this, this word, themelios. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, he says, For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. You don't want to miss that part, Right? If you get the wrong Jesus, you, you're sunk is what he's saying here. This is the foundation. It's Jesus. Now, he goes on and he adds a little bit to this in Ephesians 2.20. So look at Ephesians 
uses the same word, the melias. And he says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So notice Jesus is still the ultimate foundation, but what he taught through the apostles and prophets. In other words, the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. This is the foundation. We dare not move beyond this, okay? But we want to build on this foundation. Look at 2 Timothy 2.19. Or 2 Timothy. It just sounds weird, so I'm going to continue using 2. 2 Timothy 2. What did I say? Uh, 19. He says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Notice the foundation is foundational to salvation itself. So the basics of Christianity, that's which is foundational to God's ultimate plan of salvation. That's what we need to understand very critically and then move beyond what, as far as the scriptures lead us, to build on that. Because God is an architect. He's a builder. He's laid the foundation, but now he wants to build on that foundation, doesn't he? Uh, Matthew 7, 24. Uh, let's look at that illustration that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives this little parable. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So we see here the critical nature. An elementary teaching is an essential part of the foundation of Christianity. We've got to get that right, otherwise we experience the crash. <laughs> Our life must be built on the proper foundation. If you have two buildings and you want to get to the roof of this building and you put the ladder up to the other building, you're not going to get to this building, are you? In fact, you kind of move away from the building, don't you? As you're climbing up that ladder, okay? We, you got to put the ladder up there. Well, as far as the foundation, you got to have the right foundation. If your foundation is wrong, you will not get into heaven. That's how serious this is. The ABCs are critical. The proper way of dealing with sin is critical. I want to ask Jim to come up. Uh, I asked him to share this testimony because the foundational, when we go through this, we're going to see the foundation is basically grace. We move away from that foundation, it hurts us seriously. We move away from God's true self. 
foundation. Jim was sharing with me this thought. He shared it with me before, you know, his, his testimony. And I just, it really says what I'm trying to say. So go ahead and say it. Um, some of you have heard this before, but I, I grew up going to church. I grew up believing in God. Actually, I, I always knew God was real. It was sort of a reality for me. I believed in Jesus. Um, I, but the church I went to really emphasized being good, you know, being works and, and works type of stuff. And I was working hard at it because I believed in God. I wanted to be good. I worked hard, but I couldn't be good. I, I kept messing up. I don't know if any of you have that problem, but you do if you don't know it. It's called sin, right? But, you know, um, and then I even remember as a junior in high school, I went to this thing offered through called Tech, Teens Encounter Christ. And I was so excited because it's like, wow, I found other people who want to follow Jesus, and I wanted to follow Jesus. But even in that, the emphasis was, yes, now go be good. And that's how my, and I went and I tried to be good, and again, I couldn't. And I would, man, I'd feel bad. I'd re, and then I'd re-up and like, no, I'm really going to follow you and I'm going to do all the right things and I'm going to make you happy. And I'd mess up again. I even started sort of speak, seeking out some wise counsel from spiritual leaders. And I remember one specifically saying, Jim, you are a good person. You need to know that. And don't worry about some of the, your hills will fill in your valleys. And I remember that specific thing. Your good will outweigh your bad and your, but yet, I struggled with that and wrestled, and, and, but I wanted to follow Jesus, and I just kept failing. And so, finally, it was my junior year of college, a friend invited me to go to a Bible study put on by crew. And it was at that Bible study, for the first time, I learned about grace. I learned that it wasn't about me trying to work and earn my way to heaven. It's what Jesus did for me. And I tell you what, I had all the other pieces, exact that piece. And when it went on, a light bulb went on in my head. Truly, it's like, I get it all now. And there was such great relief because it wasn't what I was doing. It was what he did for me. This substitutionary atonement changed my life. It changed my direction. Truly, I, I changed my major in college, which as a junior wasn't necessarily the best thing to do. But it was, I knew God wasn't where I was going was not where God was calling me to. And, and I remember thinking, man, you died for me. I want to live for you. And it truly did. It changed the course of my life. Um, and the amazing thing, what I found, is I, as I received this grace and I surrendered my life to him, what I found happened is then he began to change me where I couldn't change myself. Right? He began by his Holy Spirit to change those things in me that I knew I had a terrible anger problem. God, God took that and changed it. It took time, but he changed that in me. The amazing thing is when we surrender to him, he transformed us. It's not about me trying to do it myself. And in grace, I found freedom to follow him. So to me, that was the transforming thing in my life. Amen. The ABC's foundation is grace, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Wow, that's good. So our life must be built on the proper foundation, that one, okay? That's what changes us dramatically, okay? But 
God wants to build on this foundation. He wants to build an incredible building in your life, okay, to build on this foundation. Uh, C.S. Lewis gives a good illustration of this in his book, Mere Christianity, which is about the basics of Christianity, mere Christianity. This is what he says. gives this illustration. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. That's what he wants to do. And that's where we need to move beyond. When I was a kid, as I said before, I learned my ABCs through Sesame Street. I don't watch Sesame Street anymore, okay? I restarted watching them again once I had kids because I wanted them to learn their ABCs. I look forward to someday watching them again when I have some grandkids, if I could ever get some grandkids. <laughs> All right. Okay, we, we won't go there. Well, I just did. I, I use my ABCs as, I use my ABCs literally as building blocks to more advanced reading and writing. God wants us to use the ABCs to move us on. We should always use and review the basics of Christianity, but we need to use them to move on to more advanced beliefs of Christianity for our spiritual growth. Now, in finishing, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I want to read Ravi Zechariah's book, Deliver Us from Evil. He says, an old Chinese proverb says, if you want to know what water is, don't ask the fish. The fish does not know any other kind of life because it is submerged in the monotony and single vision of a watery existence. To the fish, no other existence is possible. Hence, it can conceive of nothing by which to measure its own existence. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I have written down below that. We cannot discover on our own the solution to humanity's problems because we're like the fish in the problems. We must hear from the outside, from God. That's what we need to hear. We all know there is a problem, but we disagree on the answer. Most religions have a superficial understanding of the problem. It's not that bad. So a few good works ought to do. Or maybe some proper education will do the trick. But the Bible is God's view of the problem. It is really bad. Beyond our ability to fix the Bible is also God's plan to fix the problem. Through the ABCs of Christianity, as mature believers, 
those who have gone beyond the ABCs, advance the kingdom by sharing the ABCs with the lost and hurting world. Over the next few weeks, we will look at the ABCs. We're going to see to make sure we get this right, because that's critical. And then we're going to move on, as it tells us to, as we walk through the rest of the book. Christianity is supposed to make a difference. So I want to finish with a little, um, uh, what's, uh, what do I want to say, uh, an, um, commercial. There you go, a commercial, okay? You know we've had the Compassion Sunday table out there for the last few weeks because we're encouraging you to look into this ministry. Compassion International, we're, by the way, supposed to make a difference in the world. We're supposed to minister to the poor. Critical. All the way through the scripture, we're supposed to minister to the poor. I cannot think of a better ministry to get involved in to minister to the poor than Compassion International. Because there are a lot of groups that feed the poor. But this one feeds the poor, gives them medicine, gives them education, and gives them a Christian education where they lead them to Christ. So it's the whole package deal. And for $38 a month, we can help a kid who has no other ability to help themselves. If you're in high school, you could afford $38 a month. Right? Just ask your dad. (laughs) We could do this. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a kid yet, seriously consider it. It's the last week we'll have the table up. So go back out there, look at those kids, just look at their faces and say, man, I can, because you get, you get to minister, you get to have that kid. It's like having a kid, okay, and actually taking care of them. We've had a, a, a kid for as long as I can remember. And they get old, and then you have to move on and get another one, you know, but that's okay, okay? Um, So think about that, all right? Let's pray. Father, you are good. And we want to be good, but we recognize that we can't be good unless you come in and change us from the inside out. So we receive your gift of grace and allow you changes. We want to get the ABCs right. So help us to understand these things. But help us also to move on, to grow up, to be mature disciples of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.